We're chilling here on the podcast with the Duck Legs. Yo, another episode of the Duck Legs podcast. What's up? This is Jared Aguilar. I'm a physical therapy student out in Austin, Texas. I have Dimir Jones on the show with me today. Hey, hey, how's it going? Out of South College. South College? But you reside in Georgia, that's correct? Yes, sir. You know, the dirty, dirty South. You know how we do it down here. All of us from the dirty South. And another member, the third member of the Duck Legs podcast that we have on is Tyler Adams. How you doing? Coming out of that uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Fresh hot. Tennessee. By the Tennessee. Oh man, three six mafia. Wait, three six mafia, right? Are they? They're from Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Memphis young buck from Nashville, right? He and I hang out together. Right. I won't tell you about like what we're doing now. That's different. Eight ball and MJG. Yeah, you may not want to hang out with young buck, man. Last time I heard about him, he was kind of crying on the phone with Fifty Cent. But hey, hey, come on, man. Hip hop gets emotional, man. Yeah, I'm passionate, man. That's my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> The throwback. Yeah, right, right. Man, but our guest that we had on for this show is super passionate and he's very passionate about ultrasound. Uh, not really, but he's passionate about a lot of other things. He is the one and only barbell physio, Dr. Zach Long. You may know him. You may you may recognize his logo, the four pound the forty-five pound four barbell plates on each side, right? With the barbell bending and barbell physio and blue old big letters coming at you right you've seen that before yes i have you know you know what it's like on instagram when you scroll through and you see a barbell physio video and you're like oh shit i gotta stop and watch this i'm about to learn some shit yeah he's one of the people that whenever i'm on social media and i see his stuff i automatically stop i mean some people they get the glance from me but his his content i have to stop and i have to look and that actually made me invite him onto the show uh because i wanted to dive deeper into like his content and know where he was going in his direction of his uh his program man. he's cool. he's definitely one of the the few physical therapists that i can say i definitely without a doubt want to be like and want to emulate yeah i mean he sort of kind of took the physio role and made it to what it is right yeah mm-hmm. i mean and we talked to him about how he built his brand you know what success means to him his 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 so-called work-life balance or you know, his balance between working at Carolina Sports Clinic and then running the Barbell Physio. Uh, we learned a lot about his hustle. We talked about how to negotiate. Again, you know, being a new grad, how, to, how do you step into that market as a new grad physical therapist and really get what you're worth, you know? We also talked about his passion for duck decoy carvings. He needs no introduction. He is the Barbell Physio, Dr. Long. How are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. And my thing I said before we get started, we normally have a a, a, a small intro and uh, like the conversation to flow a little bit. But how does it feel, uh, Jared, to have an all Southern podcast today? Yeah, Tyler and I we were just talking about that a little while ago. You know, Tyler's from Tennessee. I'm from New Orleans. Dimir is from Georgia, and of course, we got Dr. Long from North Carolina. Is that right? Yep, Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. Nice. All of us. All of us below the Mason Dixon, <laughs> fully southern, fully southern. So this is this is a safe area. Southern accents can <laughs> can let loose here. So I can say y'all and reckon and every yeah. other. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's go for it. My southern twang only comes out every now and then, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm not too southern. Do you, Do you find that patients take better direction from you with the southern accent? 
Uh, I don't think you hear it as much until I have a couple beers. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, just to get started, um, do you mind telling us a little bit about, I guess, your day-to-day job? Because a bunch of people know you as the barbell physio and um, what that entails. And if you don't mind going also into how the barbell physio got started. All right. So the day-to-day, Monday through Thursday, kind of the nine to five. I'm at Carolina Sports Clinic where I'm the director of physical therapy. Um, it's a Cairo PT massage clinic, kind of all combined in one. We got three locations in the Charlotte area. And then after that, and on Fridays through the weekend, I'm, I'm usually running and working the Barbell Physio, which is my website that kind of combines the physical therapy world with the strength and conditioning world to reach out to to uh, primarily CrossFitters and Olympic weightlifters, just people that enjoy training and especially barbell movements to kind of educate them on things they can do to be uh, healthier, perform a little bit better, and promote the professional physical therapy at the same time. Do you ever get a little gassed out running Monday to Saturday like that? Um, well, I've gotten, I've learned to uh, take time off when I need to. Mm-hmm. So I do all my work in batches, basically all right, five blog posts at a time and just have those ready to go for a month. But yeah, I've definitely, I burnt myself out pretty bad. Um, when I studied for my SCS, so I was working in the clinic 40 hours a week. I was doing the barbell physio, which is usually 20 to 30 hours a week and studying for that. And uh, things got pretty bad. That's about the time when Mitch Babcock started to, did his rotation with me. I was pretty burnt out at the time, which was very helpful to have somebody be able to help lighten the load. Gotcha. A little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I've had to learn because now I'm also traveling and teaching for uh, Owens Recovery Science on blood flow restriction training. So um, I'm, I'm go close to nonstop, but I've, I've learned to be go and completely stop and not do, not be going halfway in sometimes. When you rest, phone goes off, social media goes off, things like that to actually recharge. Yeah. What's your number one time management tool or piece of advice? Ooh. Work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Don't work at all. Like it's, it's, I, I just, I'm one way or the other. I, I never halfway work. I never halfway rest right now. Oh, I think if you, if you just take blocks of time and say, all right, today from eight to noon, I'm just going to kick ass. And uh, after that, I'm going to rest. Then you'll be a lot better than if you are always trying to do a little bit. Yeah. I was just going to say, and, and you turn off the phone and, and make it a point to really completely get away, right? At times I do probably not quite enough, but, but I do. And there are at least times where I turn off social media off. <laughs> there's, there's no way you're turning your social media off. <laughs> I do, man. I do. I'm getting, yes. I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Uh, so that follows me up to the next question I have. And um, just to, to talk about content a little bit, you spoke about blog and blogging and your mm-hmm. website. Um, how do you constantly put out great material and, you know, follow that up with how do you start to gain such a humongous following even at, I mean, not that far in, into it? Well, to build, to build any social media brand where you're getting a lot of awareness out there, it all comes down to consistency. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that put good content out, but they do it, uh, you know, once every two months, they put a blog post out or, you know, they'll put five Instagram posts out in one day and then you won't see them for a month. And it's, it's really all about consistency. Right. Um, and, and for me, like I said earlier, it's, it's about batching stuff together. Like if you look at the pictures I've been putting out a lot lately on Instagram and Facebook, mm. you'll see that I'm wearing the same clothes and I'm in the same location mm. because I went to the gym one day for two hours, three hours with the photographer and took 
literally 2000 pictures. <laughs> and now I have a lot of content that I can yeah. share. It's not, I'm not going out to the garage every day and shooting five minutes of stuff with the same shirt, with the same shirt every day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so that, that lets me be consistent and, and continually provide information. And then I'll do things like I have a, a Google docs on my phone and I'll write down descriptions for all of these pictures mm-hmm. and I can go take those pictures for two hours. And then I write all those descriptions up for 30 minutes or however long. And then every day I know to, you know, go to that document, find that picture and upload them. Mm-hmm. and just batch it all out because it's going to take a lot less time to do it that way. If, if you want to go really consistent and do this like that, that's what it's going to take. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's not only consistency with how you share it, but it's consistency with the content that you share. Uh, for instance, I had somebody reach out to me earlier today. They wanted to write a guest article for me, and I love the topic of it, but it was the use of barbell training for swimmers. I love it, but, but I'm, I write to fitness athletes and, <laughs> and I want to keep that, that brand and that target audience as consistent as possible. And me putting that up, even though it was a great article, wouldn't work. And I, I mean, I told the kid, uh, I love the article. I love the idea. I'm just not the person for you. Mm-hmm. Like you think it's a waste of your article to post it for me. And I said, I'm, I'm happy to reshare it on social media for you to support you. But uh, I got to stay consistent to my demographic and what my target is. Gotcha. Too, too niche based for that swimmer audience. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to be niche based in something completely different. Gotcha. How many pieces of content are you trying to put out a day on the different platforms? Um. Well, I, I mean, I'm resharing articles every day. As far as new material that I'm doing, I would like to be putting out five Instagram pics or videos a week. Is, mm. is my general goal. There have been times where I. Um, when I first started doing Instagram, I think for 45 days in a row, I shared a new thing every single day. And I'm not that consistent right now, but I've got a lot more going on right now than I did when I first started. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to put out content when you, like I, I flew to Tampa on Wednesday night. I left my last patient, went straight to the airport, flew and got into the hotel around 2 a.m. Taught all day yesterday, flew back this morning. So there's not a whole lot of time to share then, but I'm still doing stuff that, that aligns with my vision, even though I'm not being as consistent as I should be social media wise. Awesome. Is Instagram your favorite platform? Instagram is what has given me the most success. Uh, Facebook algorithm changing makes some Facebook stuff a little bit more difficult. Instagram is where I grew the most and consistently did the best, I think. And what did, what made you decide to start that endeavor of barbell physio and become the online face of CrossFit physio and what, what made you decide to, I've got it in this shirt that I'm going to wake up in. I'm going to make 2000 videos in this <laughs> day, um, for a year. So actually in PT school, I knew I wanted to work in sports physical therapy and I was trying to decide what am I going to do? That's going to make myself different than every other former athlete that's in physical therapy school that wants to be in sports PT. And that led to me starting my blog, which was not called the barbell physio at the time. And at that time, I was really writing more just to differentiate myself to potential employers and to force myself to continually improve and hold myself accountable to learning new stuff. Mm. When I took this job at Carolina Sports Clinic, um, I went to basically a percentage-based salary where I get, I get paid a certain percentage of every dollar I bring into the company, which, which I absolutely love that setup. And we could talk about why later if y'all want. 
but uh, it was very stressful to begin with when you start with zero patients. And it took me, you know, a solid uh, four to six months to build up to a consistent caseload. I had some problems with insurances initially on, and I just, I made very little money in my first four months. And so I, you know, pretty much ran out of money and basically said, well, I, I got to do something different. Mm-hmm. I was already writing for CrossFit Journal, and I knew that there were people out there that, that really liked what I was saying from the CrossFit perspective, but then I wasn't using my blog to uh, further attract those people. And so then I, I made a big shift and decided that I was going to go all in on the website just as much as I was on the nine to five. And, you know, um, my sister really encouraged me to get on Instagram. So I started Instagram and Facebook and uh, guys like Urson Religioso and, and um, Jason Shane started kind of mentoring me a bit on how to push that forward and do better and better. And uh, everything just took off. Yeah. So I, I, the whole time I was doing that, well, back up before I took this job at Carolina Sports Clinic, I was working for another really good company. But I, I sat down one day and I wrote down my vision statement for my life, like what my life goals were, what I was going to be down the road, and and realized immediately that that where I was wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So that led to me changing, and then that vision statement is, is something I carry with me every single day, look at it every day, and everything I do tries to match up to that vision statement of what I believe I'm called to do in the world. You mind so, sharing that or is that more personal? No, I, I have no problem at all. Uh, uh, the business side of it, um, I wrote, so I wrote who I am religiously, uh, as a family member, things like that, as a person, the business side of it is this changing worlds of athletic performance, injury prevention and rehab. Mm-hmm. It's what much Twitter handle says basically. Um, and I'm, I'm not in any way trying to say I'm the best at that, but I'm trying to say that's what I'm going to be doing. Right. Not doing it perfect now, but I, I write the vision statement for who I'm going to be. Not who I am right now. Gotcha. Absolutely. So uh, just to follow that up um, about putting out content and being really great at it, that's something that you could start doing as a student. I know that there's a back and forth between, you know, really get really good clinically and then start, you know, start having a following or build your following slowly as you're in school, then graduate and continue on those skills. How do you feel about that? Um. I believe that the biggest jumps I've made in my career were always made when I did things that were one step ahead of where I am currently. Okay. So um, when I wasn't prepared to, to fully understand all the science behind blood flow restriction training, I, I agreed to start teaching the course, which made me <laughs> step my game up on understanding the back science. Right. Um, I, I've consistently volunteered to do speaking things and, and teach seminars and write articles and stuff that, that honestly at the time I wasn't an expert on. And it forced me consistently to put in the time to learn different subject matters and step my game up. All right. So yes, I think you as a student should start doing stuff that's going to force you to step up your game. And I'm sure y'all have seen that in your podcast already that doing this and putting yourself out there consistently makes you take steps further forward than you would otherwise do or that some of your other classmates are. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes us test each other at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah. like we, on weekends. That's what it makes to do for sure. Be up at five o'clock. And then um, y'all, y'all are probably familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk. Yep. He yeah. also says all the time, one is greater than zero. So even though you're just a PT student, you have more knowledge on the body than somebody out there, than one person out there. So start putting content out and help those one people you know. Maybe you can't put out as much as, as Urson really also can. Or, or uh, 
Aaron, Carmel uh, physio. Aaron yeah. Swanson. <laughs> um, but you can help people out. Yeah. And so start doing it. That was, that was a big mind shift for me when I heard him say that one is greater than zero. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, when I talked to Mitch and we had Mitch on the podcast um, and we talked about your intern, his, his internship with you and we brought up a bunch of Gary V and we brought up uh, something that you instilled in him when he's out there making his videos of not to feel like an imposter mm -hmm. and to be loud on camera yeah. and be confident. And that's definitely helped me going forward. Whenever we start to, if we start to do more exercise based videos and, and try to, put our DPT knowledge out there, definitely going to take that into consideration and not well, be great. The, the imposter syndrome doesn't go away, but you got to learn to deal with it. Okay. Gotcha. You'll still always second guess yourself at times. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It's good to hear it like continuously though. You know, you hear it, you know, you hear it again, you hear it again. So it's good to hear that message again and again to keep it yeah. going. Yeah, I, you know what i i'd like to hear a little bit more just because we were doing it we we're looking it up yesterday i'd like to hear if you don't mind a little bit more of that percentage of the salary i don't know if i've ever heard that before so percent of, of salary is not super popular in the physical therapy world it's very popular in the chiropractic world mm. um but basically all the money i bring into the clinic i make a certain percentage of which for me has been great. I felt like in my last job, I was always pressured with, we pay you this salary. I need you to see people for, and then build this many units and see this many patients per week. And mm -hmm. all these little metrics that they threw at me that always made me feel pressured. And then they would call me on, Hey, you didn't see, uh, you didn't see 60 patients this week or this person you only scheduled two or three times a week. Why, why are you only seeing them once a week? Well, that's all they need. Um, has not happened once since I started this percentage-based salary. Now, clearly, there would still be clinics that do that. But for me, it's, it's uh, all right, if I, if I don't see somebody as often as I could convince them to, not as often as I need to, but as often as I could convince them to, that's money out of my pocket. But at least I don't feel dirty at the end of the day like I you know, <laughs> tried to squeeze a few more visits out of somebody that didn't need it. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. certainly people could take advantage of that the other way. But with this setup, I don't think my boss can come to me and say, Hey, you're not making enough money for the clinic. Cause well, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it, I really like it. I really enjoy it. I like to be rewarded when I'm working hard because mm -hmm. if you, if you get the right percentage in there and you're seeing a, a good volume of patients that you can handle, you can make more money than you otherwise would. Right. Okay. And any opinions on why more clinics aren't set up that way for physios? Uh, because there's such a big demand for physical therapy that I don't think many physical therapists would be willing to take that risk to go to a percentage-based salary. I don't think they have to. They know that they can have a steady, consistent income at uh, a lot of other clinics. I don't blame them for that. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's scary as crap to go to a percentage base, and there are still times where I have a slow week, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. There, <laughs> there are only 40 patients on my schedule. Uh, how much money is that going to be this week? Yeah. <laughs> freaks you out for a second, but then it always works out. Cool. Cool. How many patients do you usually work with a day? Uh, I see patients every 30 minutes, 30 minutes follow-ups with some overlap. So it's, they're scheduled for 30, but I'll see them anywhere from 30 to 60 evals are always an hour. So, you know, if I'm, if I am completely booked up all day for the eight hours I'm in, I can see 16 people. Um, other times or days where I might have 40 evals and I might see only six people. Well, that day, so it'll it'll really vary. 
but I, I stay pretty consistently busy at above eighty percent caseload, which is fine with me. I don't care to be at hundred percent right now because I got enough going on and yeah, having a little time off between patients is is nice right now. Let me answer emails and things like that. Right, right. And these are one on one. You're always one on one with your patients, uh, except for when there's kind of that overlap. Okay. So I might have somebody come in at eight, somebody else at eight thirty. Sometimes at eight o'clock only needs thirty minutes of treatment. Sometimes they're going to be in a little bit longer, and there will be some overlap. But um, yeah, never more than two patients in there at a time. Gotcha. Which is very unique in in the Charlotte market right now. <laughs> I had somebody, somebody shadow me last week, and she's a tech somewhere else. And apparently, there are one PT and two PT techs see six patients at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Tyler, you f we're familiar with that tech life. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's not pretty. It's not pretty out there in some spots. <laughs> I wish I was that owner, man. That guy's making some dough. Yeah, that is. It's, his therapists are, are are probably not making enough for how much money they're bringing into the clinic. I bet, or the techs won't. Like when I was I was in Baton Rouge working as a tech, and I was making seven twenty five. <laughs> cool. So you're making 725 and they were having two, two extra patients come in because of you as a tech probably. Right. Yeah. Right. Which they were making probably $75 per patient. So, right. so they netted $142 on you, buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I never had it explained to right. me. But that bad. <laughs> seriously, that's, that's, that's how you got to go about uh, right. your salary negotiations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I did. I, I looked at the schedule and said, all right, if I, if I can see, if I see 40 patients a week at this reimbursement level and I'm working 49 weeks a year, mm. how much money will I bring into the clinic? Mm. If I see 50, how many will I bring in? If I saw 60 patients in a week, how many does that, that bring me in? And 60 is where I cap it out. Okay. Um, but based on those numbers, I can then say, all right, if I'm bringing in, 200,000 or 250,000 or whatever it is. I'm not actually sure what it is off the top of my head. Um, I better not be making $60,000. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, when you do it that way, like we always, we're always scared to ask for more money and everybody's always talking about how reimbursement levels are going down and things are really tough for physical therapy. Well, there's a shit ton of money still left to be made. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of people making money. Seriously. One of y'all got a calculator? Somebody. Oh, I got one. <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. Hey, let's, let's, let's do some math here for somebody. Yo, let's, let's, let's say, because a lot of clinics will want you to see 60 patients a week. Mm -hmm. and let's say your average reimbursement is 75. So every week you're bringing in $4,500. If you work 49 weeks out of the year, that's $220,000 you brought into the clinic. So if wow. you're bringing in $220,000 and you're making $60,000, whoo. You, <laughs> you got to make left, that You left some on the table. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just a little bit. So why do uh, you think therapists, well, is, is there lack of knowledge of knowing the numbers or do we just not care? Are all of our constituents or people that are in administrative positions saying this is what you make and this is what you should be happy with? Or is it a combination of all three? I think we're scared to ask for more. Um, okay. Y'all need to get Ben Fung on and talk to him about this because oh, he's, he's the master with this. But yeah, I, th I think we're just scared. And I think if you really sit down and you when you're talking to the business owner that you're about to go to and you ask them what their average reimbursement is and how many patients they expect you to see. And then he offers you some number and you say, well, this is how much you're expecting me to bring into the clinic. I think you need to pay me $5,000 more. Mm -hmm. If you throw that ammo at him, like it's going to be hard for him to come back at you and say, no, nah, you're, you're, you're good at 60 or you're good at 65 <laughs> or whatever. Just bring your guns with you. If you yeah. pull those numbers out, you'll be more confident. Yeah. yeah. 
it's funny that we're on this podcast because I asked for a raise yesterday from my boss, who's a PT, and I'm still a tech. I was like, look, dude, uh, you want me to work a few more hours a week, um, and I'm still in school, and uh, you're making me pretty much see someone else's patients because they're out right now for family reasons. I got to get paid a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I basically see them almost one-on-one. You're not really watching me. Uh, you're you're more in there typing up notes. So I didn't want to put that personal plug in there, but I was like, I got to right now. I have to, and I'm gonna take. I'm like, well, if I can do that with him, where someone I'm comfortable with, I mean, you best you best be for sure someone I don't know. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna need ten, fifteen thousand dollars more just based on the numbers. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, hey, and he said, okay. He said, okay. He said, you're right. He said, you're right. So it was easy, pretty easy. But it was a lot easier when you thought through that process on what you're helping him do. Right. And you brought and you had. I, you didn't have specific numbers in mind, probably, no. but you but you knew that you were a valuable asset there based on what you're bringing into the clinic currently. Right. So it wasn't hard for you, and you weren't scared to go in. You were nervous, but you weren't scared to go in and, and, the, the, and call him for more. Yeah, the conversation kind of started off like uh, just a general conversation. He said, "Hey, you know, um, I want you to work more hours," and I said, "Okay, pay me like you know, pay me more." And it started off almost like a joke, and he was like. Okay, so where are we talking? And that's where the conversation happened. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I, uh, I got a friend who her last job, um, they offered her uh, they offered her a number and she said, Can I negotiate that? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why why'd you even ask, can you negotiate? <laughs> the, the owner said no. And then she immediately uh, accepted. And I'm like, Oh, come on. Oh gosh. That's we, we learn from these experiences, right? Yeah. We have to learn from this. Damn. Yeah. Man, that's tough. And then when then when she quit that job, he offered her immediately a ten thousand dollar raise. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if that money was there all along. <laughs> exactly, it probably Absolutely. was there all along. That's crazy. There's a lot of money still to be made in rehab. I think it was it was Gene or somebody that mentioned like, or probably probably Ben Fung that PT only makes up such a small percentage of all of the. Uh, the revenue or something of healthcare, right? It's mm-hmm. we own such a small portion of the total amount of money that's out there mm-hmm. to go and get. But from but, everything I've heard, investors are running towards PT clinics right now because it's. I mean, there's rapidly a, growing. There's a ATI clinic popping up everywhere. I mean, oh, there's yeah. a. I mean, there's a. <laughs> I mean, you name any of these larger chains, if people were really losing money, uh, <laughs> they clearly wouldn't be investing in all the different clinics, and they're buying out clinics. For mm-hmm. anything like okay, you have a clinic here that's been here for more than five years. We'll buy you out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, eh, just got talked to Doctor Long on the podcast to know that you should get paid more than sixty thousand. Yeah, <laughs> don't and don't ever ask. Can you negotiate? <laughs> that's just, just negotiate. Just yeah. straight to it. How you feeling, yeah. Tyler? Good. I'm great. I'm great. Yeah. Ben Ben Fong's numbers from his. Uh, PT guy, I forget what he called it. The, the post said that you should be making between thirty to forty percent of your income for the company. Mm-hmm. So, so there's your reference. So if you're if you're going to be expected to bring in two hundred thousand dollars, the bare minimum is sixty k. Mm-hmm. But it should be between sixty and eighty, based so, on that, based on his percentages there. Right. Um, so that, this this follows uh, with a question that I had. Um, about maybe why we don't necessarily ask for that number. And I hate to keep harping on salaries the entire time, but um, about showing value and how you do that. Um, is is there a particular way that you do that? Or is it arbitrary? Or Is there a way that I show value to my current employer or a way that I suggest you do? Yeah, uh, both. Both. 
Um, I think when you go into a company, you need to look at what their holes are. Mm-hmm. You know, do they not have a, a good outreach program to different youth athletes? Mm-hmm. Do they have no social media presence? Where are their holes at? And what can you with your negotiations come in and say, that these are the holes that you have in your company. And I'm going to plug them. Right. I'm going to personally, I have done social media for a company. I did their blog for a company. I developed a sports uh, portion of a company, all this added value to a former employer. And it's things like that, that, that when you maybe when they're hesitant to give you that raise above 30%, maybe that's how you uh, negotiate that up a little bit by figuring out how to plug their holes. I mean, if they've already got a great, uh, they already got a great relationship with the local CrossFit mm. and that's not an area that you're going to help them grow. Maybe you'll help them treat those patients, but it's not an area of growth. Find something else that's going to let you elevate their business a little bit and, and let them know what it is. Absolutely. And it's usually pretty easy to see that by between looking at websites and social media, you can usually find uh, ways to elevate somebody's company fairly easily. Hell yeah. And it's getting so easier now with Facebook ads and Instagram ads that we can really take that, take our mission right to the phone and get some cheap advertising. Oh, yeah. Easy and cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to make the move to make, do more Facebook ads in, in our clinic. Hell yeah. I haven't, mm. been able, haven't been able to get that going yet, but I want to soon. It was really for, for pennies you can reach. We just, we just got a, a coupon. We saw yeah. some, they gave us like a 30 to $10 coupon. <laughs> Just right, to use man. Facebook ads. So, yeah. are, are y'all gonna forward that to me since I can? <laughs> oh, we just <laughs> use it. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. oh man! Actually, you, don't, this... you don't know how much money I spend every day on on advertisement. So, <laughs> yeah, it it actually does relate to you. We're probably gonna use it on Johnny Owens. Uh, Jared got the BFR. He got, got put on his leg, and yeah, we he, got a video of it. He came down to Austin and and to teach a little course. We didn't take the course, but uh, I did get the tourniquet wrapped around my quad. And that was crazy. That was a crazy experience. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Very cool training tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to. And you're, te- you're teaching it, right? You're teaching yeah, so. the courses. Yep. And so we'll yep. probably see you sometime. Hope so, man. At, at that so. student rate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> student rate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you got to take advantage of student rates while you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. learning that We've, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. More on the topic of school, how do you like school? How's, how's school been treating you, Dr. Long, since, since graduating however many years ago? What do you mean, how has school been treating how, you? How, how do you like school? How do you like it? How'd you like it back, back in the day? Oh, oh how oh, did I like how, it? How did you, you like it? Sorry. You were saying that like present. I was. So was uh, kinda, yeah, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I was, I was trying confused. to track you on that one. But I, was I, was trying to, I was trying to just leave it out there. You just, I, I didn't want to. You wanted to open it. Yeah, just, just throw school out there for him. What do you think? Uh, physical therapy school was all right. I think uh, I would have much rather gone somewhere. I would have much rather figured out a way to fully focus on orthopedic and sports and get a more basic overview of some different things. Like I wish I, as much as I love peds and, and learned in peds, I wish I could shorten how much I learned in peds and spent more time looking at orthopedic type issues and movement based issues rather than just um, diagnosis based issues, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learn all the different special tests. Oh uh, yeah. I never do special tests. I almost <laughs> never do special tests, no? but I spent so much time learning them. 
I don't get that. I don't, I don't get why special tests aren't being used more. Um, how can we incorporate sarcasm? <laughs> no, that's not sarcasm there. Okay. How, is there a way to incorporate more movement based activities and learning in PT school? Cause I know I'm, I've recently joined a CrossFit gym and I'm recently, uh, delving into the CrossFit community and I've been going to CrossFit class about a couple months now, maybe like four months. And from the coaching at CrossFit Austin, shout out. It's, it's amazing. And from the day one of like the preparatory courses before I could even take the classes, they did movement screens and just a bunch of great movement assessments. And while I was, while I was just going through the, their motions and their, uh, their prep courses, I was like, man, I wish I could have this type of shit at physical therapy school. Cause <laughs> it was, it was just a coach looking at the way I moved, looking at, like, oh, you know, we could, you know, your ankles do a little something funny here in this overhead squat position. And it's like, damn it. Yeah, like, I knew this. <laughs> I knew I did this, but I never, all these PTs that, that teach us at school, we never broke down yeah, any wanna, of these positions, any quality of movement. And not to, not to this school again, but I would love to have some movement training or that, to get that coach's eye while in PT school and – <laughs> you give me a little pat on the back. Pat on the back. Um, let it out, man. Uh, you know, you know I, just wanted, I just wanted some movement, man. <laughs> there are very few physical therapists out there that I think can can match the movement quality education of most of the CrossFit seminar staff. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I myself, I mean, I guess if, if I asked y'all, what movement pattern do you know me best for? The squat? Oh, you'd probably say the squat. <laughs> <laughs> and... My squat got very nicely torn apart in my CrossFit level one course. And, you know, I go in there confident that, you know, I know what a stinking squat is. I know how to squat. I've been doing this for, for I've been squatting for the last 15 years with weights. Yeah. Um, and, and they pointed out some stuff that I never even noticed with my own squat. It was very impressive. Mm -hmm. And yes, if, if more of us really knew how to un analyze movement, like, some of the really good CrossFit coaches do and strength and conditioning coaches do, we'd be a lot better. I mean, if I'm asking somebody to look at my movement, there's about, I could think of 20 strength and conditioning people that I'd have do it and maybe five clinicians that I would call up and say, hey, will you really analyze my movement pattern? Like it's the, the strength and conditioning world's whipping our butts so much in that. So APTA. we're we're not the uh, what's the APTA thing? We are the movement experts. Yeah. We are the movement experts of the the medical world, right? Right now, right. We're not the movement experts of the world right now. That's uh, that's for sure, in my opinion. I didn't see that little parenthetical, that little <laughs> the that, that small text right beneath. In the medical, in the only in the medical world. Yeah, that's, 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 that's subscript, really small. Right. That's <laughs> really small. always see those those cool studies where we're like the most educated orthopedics, you know, outside of a, a orthopedic surgeon, but mm -hmm. then it doesn't tell you that you look outside the medical world. We're getting whooped. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So yeah. we got we got the barbell physio on for part two, and definitely want to jump more into CrossFit and how that's changed his clinical experiences, his mindset towards being a physio. And how long have you been in the CrossFit community? Uh, I started CrossFitting in 2010. I've probably been paying attention to it since since about 2006. But after PT school, actually, no, that was a. Uh, 2013 is when I started CrossFit. 
So I started CrossFit and I started writing for them, uh, I think in 2013 as well. So I've been writing for CrossFit Journal for the last three years. Um, basically at the time I had no business writing for them. It was one of those things I reached out and said, Hey, can I do this? And, and it was a challenge a little bit above what I was ready for and then pushed me up to the next level. So actually I took a, a presentation I did in school for my biomechanics class. I did my presentation on the biomechanics of the snatch, one of the Olympic lifts that's very popular in CrossFit. And I turned that into an article mm -hmm. for CrossFit journal. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to look so, at that article. So I had, a, I had a hair of knowledge beyond what most CrossFitters did on that movement. And it was just enough that I could help some people out. And so I jumped the gun and, and helped at least one person. Nice. Is, is that the way just to, even though you don't feel quite comfortable enough with the topic, just be like, Hey, I can, I can write a blog for you. <laughs> um, you, you can't overdo it to the point where you're just BSing and lying. Yeah. But yeah, I believe you should constantly put yourself, challenge yourself just a, a hair above where you're at and you'll gotcha. usually fly past where you need to be. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Start teaching one class. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Not trying to take it over. First started well, off as assistant. <laughs> well, starting out coaching, think of how many people you get to see move every hour you coach class. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, there's no better way for, for a physical therapist to learn to understand movement than to watch 15 people in a class for one to two classes every week for a year. Right. You know, in the, in the course of a month, you'll see more patients, you'll see more people move in variety of movement than most physical therapists will right. pay attention to in, in an entire year. Jeez. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, it's pretty unique because uh, we're, we're, we're at a military base. So everyone pretty much get to go in for free mm -hmm. or like a really discounted rate. So they might show up one day and then not show up again for another week. So it's really interesting to always having to do that almost like that short, short triage. Like mm -hmm. I know today for this snatch, we just need to find one thing that she can get this overhead and not hurt herself or he or she. So pretty cool. Yeah. And then this, the capacity training alone that you see from CrossFit, it's like you you train and coach the person to do the, the motion well to get in the position, and then you get to throw I'm sorry. a thousand I'm sorry. burpees and overhead squats and double unders yeah. at them and see yeah. if they can maintain <laughs> yeah. that. So we get to see what happens with fatigue. Yeah. Which, yeah. which is which is cool. It's uh, I was actually talking about this in the, the blood flow restriction uh, lecture I gave yesterday. <laughs> Um, and basically I've started doing a lot more of my return to sport testing with people fatigued. Oh, because, okay. because things, things are really going to change. Yeah. And I've actually taken a couple ACLs and we've done, uh, we've done BFR to get them really, really fatigued before we do like Y balance testing to look at how they move side to side with that. Mm -hmm. But when do ACL tears happen? Yeah. Fatigue. Fatigue. So let's not test like them when they're fresh. I do feel like that's a little bit um, kind of almost opposite, but on the same lines as SFMA's theory of no warm up straight to movement. You straight know? top tier? Yeah, top tier, you know, that's all done, no warm up. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the same thing, but. Well, SFMA is a baseline. SFMA is, is and y'all know by looking at my stuff that I absolutely love the SFMA, but. Uh, just because somebody's FMA is SFMA is bad. It doesn't mean their movement's bad. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Stu McGill's research has shown that people with bad FMS scores or people whose squats look bad without weight, you'll see a lot of different stuff when they go to movement wise. And he's repeatedly shown that in some research, um, his, his, uh, Stanford lecture series with Gray cook 
is, is great. And y'all should definitely try to check that out. Um, to, to hear them both debate back and forth, two guys that have done so much good, yeah, but look at stuff a lot differently. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I typically like if I'm if I'm wanting to see how somebody moves, I'll use the SFMA as a baseline and maybe figure out where we need to make some improvements, and then I'm going to look at them actually perform a weighted overhead squat and see does the SFMA stuff correlate with what I see with the the weighted squat, or does it not? You can't you can't just look at SFMA and extrapolate what they're going to do with movement. Um, and you can't just assume because they have a good SFMA that, that their movement patterns underloaded and fatigue are going to be good. So I'm, I'm very big on, if I'm doing an assessment, obviously after the subjective, I, I will probably run most people through the SFMA. Then I want to look at the movement patterns that are actually causing them pain. We'll get people doing push-ups and pull-ups and squats and things like that to, to look at a, a more specific viewpoint for that athlete. Mm-hmm. Is there anything remarkable or something that goes against the status quo that you see when when you find those that group of patients that have a not so favorable SFMA score, but then you put them under load or an overhead position or some other type of position and you're like, okay, so you can do that or that looks totally different now that we have load instructing or something else going on? I'll say the one that I see the most is uh... – so you see a lot of people with good active thoracic thoracic spine mobility, or excuse me, passive thoracic thoracic spine mobility, but their active mobility is not very good. Mm. Uh, so if we're looking at SFMA, that's that's a stability motor control dysfunction of their thoracic spine. Yeah. And so I put out a lot of stuff on how I treat that and correct it. Yeah. But there are also plenty of times where I see people that have this this SFMA thoracic spine stability motor control dysfunction, and they do an overhead squat and they're in great positions, and I'm like, well. Overhead squat uses every bit of thoracic spine mobility you have. So <laughs> when they have load on, they they actually use what's available. You'll see mm-hmm. that a lot. Sometimes you'll see people that can't quite squat parallel without weight. And there's usually some issues for that. But then you put a barbell on the back and they get down there. Mm-hmm. It's the, the load stimulus yeah. allows you to find that neurostability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess... The, if we want to nerd out even more, like is that a is that a bad thing? Is that a neutral thing? Do you do you need to be able to find that with no load? Uh, if I have, uh, I would prefer that people can do it with no load. Yeah. Before they load it, but am I gonna? If somebody's back squat looks good with load and their air squat okay, doesn't look great, am I gonna stop them from back squatting? Squat the question. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for Tyler to because we just took the SFMA in uh, in November. Yeah. And we we were definitely jazz, and we're doing the top tier on ourselves. We moved the, the hotel beds, and we're like, "Oh, we gotta, dude, we gotta yeah. go through all the breakouts, dude." I was super <laughs> super pumped. I, I still borderline man crush. Borderline man crush. I just think that that was very eye opening to hear. Hey, you got to test some fatigue, like in just a, a bit of like. It, I feel like it was almost adding to what we learned, you know, it's like, Hey, here's your next level like stuff. You know, sometimes people um, do well under load <laughs> and things like that. That's great. You were talking, how does it feel to be partnered with a Cairo right now? Uh, I mean, in my situation, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, we always like to talk bad on chiropractors, mm-hmm. but there are plenty of really bad physical therapists out there. Absolutely. There are plenty of bad chiropractors. There are plenty of great chiropractors. Mm. I'm fortunate enough to work with chiropractors that, that don't, don't quote, rack them and crack them. Mm. They're not having patients come in and out in five minutes. They're doing movement assessments. 
they're prescribing corrective exercises. They're following much more of what today's modern evidence-based rehab professional professional should do. Mm-hmm. Now they certainly have, there's certainly differences between me and them where I get reimbursed really well for exercise and here in North Carolina, they get reimbursed almost nothing. So basically they're only paid for manual therapy. So that, that does make it harder for them to take a lot of time and, and work through several different variations of a corrective exercise to find the exact same one because look, they got, they got bills to pay. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, if I was only getting paid $7 per unit of therapeutic exercise, you, I wouldn't be able to pay for my, my family's food and pay off my student loans. If that's what, what my system was set up as. So, yeah, yeah. but, yeah. but they, they do, they do good work. And, you know, we've been able to develop some great relationships within the clinic as far as understanding who to refer to and when. That's awesome. So I did, I did some things like I brought, I brought on my chiropractors who obviously knew that I was into CrossFit. I did some local CrossFit seminars to coaches and I'm, I'm always trying to get one of them to come with me. And help me teach to, to give me some more assistance on uh, uh, helping these coaches and athletes move better, but also to, to showcase to them because they can't always see what I do in the clinic. To showcase to them like, hey, this is this area of fixing shoulders. That like that's what you need to send me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to send me these guys because I'm going to be able to break it out this much. And the more I have given to them, the more I've received from in-house referrals from them. That's awesome. Cool. So yeah. you guys refer in-house. Like once they get to you, you, you'll send them up. Wow. That's awesome. I'll, I'll send to them. They'll send to me. Wow. There, there are things that I don't treat and I don't, I don't care to ever treat TMJ. Um, <laughs> I don't particularly enjoy treating neck pain. Um, and I am more than happy to refer somebody to somebody within my practice or out of my practice that does better than me. Yeah, I just cool. referred somebody to a hand specialist the other day. Really? <laughs> Did y'all see that post on Facebook? I, I no, I my rant on ultrasound. Oh, that one. oh yeah, my please, gosh. Please yeah. talk about it, please. Yeah. I, that, uh, yeah. About ultrasound. How, <laughs> how great is it? Right. So I, I have a CrossFit games athlete that I've worked with rehabbed her after a knee surgery. And, uh, she d- then ends up messing her hand up in a, in a rough accident, ended up having to have hand surgery. And she was asking me about physical therapy. And I just straight up said, I don't treat hands. You need to find a hand specialist. And, and one of the big physician owned clinics around here, one of the biggest pops in the nation, actually, mm-hmm. they have some quote hand specialists. So she went and saw the hand specialist and she called me up the other night and she said, well, they, they've been ultrasounding my hand. And she's a, she's a college strength and conditioning coach. So she said, I asked him why he was ultrasounding. Cause I know what you think of it. And he said, it's quote, our evidence-based protocol. And that's when I got on Facebook and Instagram live. And I, and I did a little bit of ranting. Yeah. That was beautiful. In, yeah. In the, air, in the airport. Yeah. <laughs> what was your feedback on? That? I probably I probably should have waited about a, I yeah, yeah, waited a couple no. hours before I did that rant. Be <laughs> Just still steaming. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. They're wrong. Uh, did y'all see it on Instagram or Facebook? I saw the I saw the tweet and the Facebook yeah. message. Yeah. Okay. Like, the, the, Facebook one, the Facebook one was censored. The Instagram one was right after oh, I was done. Oh, I, was, oh, I was really hot. Man. Please tell me it's still on there. Oh, no. Instagram is only live. It's gone forever. Oh, oh man. Oh, yeah. You're right about that. I thought you oh, I'm sure. it came out hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I came out hot. I had one friend getting on there sending messages being like, hey, you need to calm down a little bit. But, but, <laughs> but maybe if, if the frequency, maybe if the frequency was right, 
and we got the megahertz right in our dual yeah. cycle. So you you got to get the right amount of depth. Yeah. And, uh, mm. you know, you want that 100% duty cycle. You don't want to be at like 98%, and that's not right. enough. That's, mm. that's, oof, that's crazy. You can't let it what, sweep in. If you, if you, <laughs> you got to keep it moving. Don't, don't. If you, if you go <laughs> clockwise and yell and say abracadabra every 10 seconds. Yes. Uh, there's a 1% chance that it'll work half the time. I, I failed the practical because I didn't say abracadabra. Yeah, for the most part, people that saw that were, were other clinicians that, that liked it. Mm -hmm. I had, awesome. uh, yeah. I had two people get on me for it, and that's all right. So Good. I'm going to switch. Basically, it back said, up. "Why are you, why are you getting on other clinicians in our profession?" I said, oh. well, I'm, embarrassed, "I'm embarrassed that they're in my profession." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then another one. Then another one told me to not start. A, said, "Quote as a novice professional, you shouldn't start a war with that big of a of a pops." He's talking to you. He's talking yeah, yeah. to barbell physio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, we'll, we'll take care of that. I mean, he's talking to the evidence that's out there. I mean, the evidence. I mean, you weren't saying anything that was wrong. You were just quoting the evidence that was out there. That's been well. well I was I was a little bit of a butthole about it, but that's all right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the delivery doesn't mean that the truth isn't heard somewhere in there. There are three types of people in this world, gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Go look up three types of people in this world: Team America, <laughs> World Police, and then. Come back. I can't finish the rest of the statement. There's three types of people. You know it. There's ultrasounders. There's barbell physios. Yeah. And there's southerners. Some of them overlap. Yeah. Go look, go look that up. You'll learn a lot about life. Yeah. I need so to don't, watch, don't watch it with little kids around. No. Do you know that? Have you seen that movie, Jared? The uh, American America. What's the Team America World Police. Yeah. Team I've. I can't. I've seen it. I've seen parts of it. I can't remember that part. You're shout out to guy. South Park. Yeah. Shout out to the, <laughs> those guys are geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've I've got a question for you. Coming back a little bit more to movement. How do you feel about people um, doing exercises through like half range of motions? And when do you think is it appropriate? You know, before or after ultrasound? Before or after ultrasound? <laughs> uh, half range. Of, I mean, it, it depends on your goal. Right. Yeah. So let's say you have a deadlift, you're, you're sticking point. I'm a big fan of West Side Barbell. And a lot of times they'll have people do deadlifts off of racks where they, they're up two, four, eight inches because it'll get rid of a lot of the leg drive. And so it'll maybe make you uh, use back more. So partial range of motion stuff certainly has its place. Um, there's some elite sprint coaches out there that only do partial range of motion squats. Mm -hmm. Now, if I see some random person at the gym loading 405 up and, you know, yeah. going <laughs> no. down yeah, six yeah. inches yeah, yeah. And, and, and walking around like he's strong and he's not doing it for a purpose other than to put more weight on the bar and not know how to actually squat, then I don't agree with that. But there are definitely plenty of times where partial range of motion is great. And I think actually if, if we understand that more as rehab professionals, we can probably get a lot of our athletes moving better and performing more. So take somebody that's having uh, knee pain and they want to, they want to squat or, or they want to do CrossFit. So maybe they can't squat down to parallel, but maybe they can do a box squat where we set the box slightly above parallel. Mm -hmm. um, we at least get them doing a squat variation or we get them doing uh, heavy sled pushes where they're not going through quite as much range of motion. Mm. And we can still have them working performance gains without uh, loading tissues that currently aren't able to be loaded. Mm -hmm. So partial range of motion can be amazing tools for performance, for rehab, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds similar. Um, to, I'm sorry. 
I'm incorporating them a lot more in my personal training as well right now. Yeah. Like you said, that sounds similar to kind of the idea behind blood flow restriction or we can, we can give somebody the same benefits without attaching the same risks. Yeah. Yeah. Treatment. Yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, there are lots of ways to teach people how to move around an injury movements. We all know the movements, the best thing that we can do. Mm hmm. But how often do rehab professionals tell people to stop moving or stop mm-hmm. those of your knee pain, stop training your legs altogether? Like there's always ways to move around an injury. Mm-hmm. Always. I, I fractured my toe two weeks ago and I've been training ever since it it was fractured. <laughs> you just have to find ways to, to work around it. It was tough, but there are plenty of things you can do. Dang. Did you just stub the hell out of your toe? He fell off a curve. This is embarrassing. Uh, oh, no. This is the first time in my life that a barbell has actually has actually destroyed me. I, oh, I dropped no. a barbell on my toe. No. Yeah. For, it was just the forty-five, but it was completely vertical, and and the end came down like one edge of the end came down right on the big toenail. Ooh. So they got pretty pretty on jacked the nail. up. Yeah. yeah. What's good for that? I think he's going to ultrasound. Heavy heavy squats fix everything. Y'all can't see the poster on my wall, but I got the heavy squats poster up right next to me right now. We've seen seen the t-shirts. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get them. That's Man. right. I took two thousand pictures in those t-shirts. <laughs> that was the that was the shirt. That's, that was the- <laughs> that's why that's ingrained in my head. There's there's branding right there, guys. Consistency. Always wearing your your slogan on t-shirts and your pictures. Yeah. So always we start- wearing my my blue shorts in my pictures. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Nice. It's all coming it together. Is. I can see <laughs> every single barbell physio post that was coming. Right. Like <laughs> that blue shirt. You got to pick the right attire when you start making videos because it'll be forever branded as your image. Yeah, yeah don't it's, wear a Nike or nothing. That's, that's, not a, that's not like a cornerstone of it, but it, <laughs> but it helps. It helps draw people's eyes to it when you're wearing a different color. Gotcha. Man. So uh, the, the, the question I have is, uh, do uh, you believe that CrossFit and PT are the future of movement or do you believe that they're still going to course on a path that is totally separate in one day maybe a hundred years from now we're going to realize that we're the true movement experts a hundred years <laughs> i mean hey <laughs> i mean we've been doing this a hundred years in a in a, a profession or a entity that came out what maybe 20 years ago Ooh. is working our butts in it so hey crossfit has basically at this point has proven that it's here to stay yeah and if we're going to be true parts of the sports medicine world, we need to realize that and we need to fully invest in making CrossFit as good as possible. And we need to stop being ignorant in our profession and saying that CrossFit is dangerous. There are certainly CrossFit boxes that aren't doing things the right way. Just like their physical therapy clinics not doing this the right way. But I have a really big problem with people saying CrossFit's dangerous because as, as far as my knowledge is concerned, uh, I've not heard of a single person dying while doing CrossFit. I agree. Certainly there have been some major injuries, but uh, people regularly die doing marathons. Absolutely. Triathletes. And I've never heard a physical therapist say that we should like ban all marathons and triathlons, but I've heard a lot of rehab professionals say we should not have CrossFit at all anymore from a safety perspective. Now you can make all kinds of arguments about the training <laughs> programs and if it's the best training program. And you know, I'll sit there and argue with you all day long. I'm not saying that, it is or isn't, but but if you have an argument with me saying that it it as a whole is not safe, then I I don't agree with you at all. 
it was yeah. the most effective way to help me lose 30 pounds. So <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> and this is like, guys, I don't even CrossFit anymore. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm powerlifting based right now. I kind of got a little burnout on the CrossFit, but I still believe strongly that, that they're doing a lot of things really, really well. Yeah. And if we continue to have guys like uh, Kelly Starrett, even if you don't necessarily agree with all his principles, like that dude has done more for physical therapy today oh. than than any other physical therapist currently out there as far as getting us to the public. Yeah. And the, the more we take advantage of and appreciate the, the roads that he has paved for our profession in the fitness world, I think the better we'll be. Oh, yeah. For sure. So, yeah, for sure. They, they, sh they should only go closer together. Yeah. Then further apart, we're going to be stupid as hell if we try to get further away from CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we, Tyler and I have seen, uh, we, we go to school with one of our classmates, shout out to Stephanie Ojanowski, who I wanted to have on the, on here interviewing you too, but couldn't make it. She's a CrossFit coach and a classmate, and she's had a couple of arguments with professors and yeah. you know, classmates that have kind of just, bashed her and bullied her just like unfair like teamed up on her and just yeah it's just like unfair like teamed up on her and we know they're on tell the wrong side of history tell them i said they're wrong and that i might have a couple beers in an airport and go on a live instagram rant yeah, about yeah. It. It's, gonna <laughs> gonna yeah it's gonna happen those barbell physios those barbell physio tweets airport yeah. Man, it's, it's kind of weird too because sometimes the arguments are almost like because they've never done it and because someone else told them, or because there's not enough evidence mm -hmm. on it. I'm like something in its infancy. Not, not enough evidence on it. Yeah, I, I rarely I hear people say that that we shouldn't grasp it, but there aren't a whole lot of randomized yeah. control trials with instrument-assisted soft tissue tools out there. Absolutely, not. and yet that's that's at this point, pretty much considered a standard of our practice. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of things people do right now that don't get yelled at as far as not being evidence-based that are consistently done. Our whole profession, there's every modality we use. There's no, <laughs> like, yeah, it kind of does some stuff, yeah. yeah well, there's, maybe. There's, well, there are at least research studies on that, but there are plenty of things where there are no research studies on, mm -hmm. and we do. And you actually learn them in programs, and they become part of the curriculum and everything. I mean, they make a <laughs> whole class out of it. I mean, this really, therapy modalities. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna get in trouble for this one. They're like, what? What did these this, PTs do? We're gonna know get about? Diamond's gonna get kicked out of school now. <laughs> you gotta get a, you gotta oh, get a phone my call. Program. Oh, you you know my program. They're saying use it sparingly. Have every day. They spend a whole hour and a half every day using it. So let's go to the, let's go to the masses. I want Dr. Long to try to help the masses out there. Mm -hmm. I, I want to. There's two things I want to hit. I want to. I want to come back to to business because I'm all business, baby. Yeah. Love the <laughs> I love the numbers. But uh, real quick to the masses. Um, when you when you look at people out there, you know, and and they're working out what. This is a really wide open thing. Well, what are some things that you can advise them? Just tell them to do, you know, we've heard so often people just say, Hey, just move, right? Just move or Hey, work on your squat. What are some things that you think that immediately come to your brain, you know, build your engine, work on your cardio. Uh, I think the biggest thing, biggest two things are one slow down movements at times. I think we got a lot of people that, especially if you look in the CrossFit world and Olympic lifting world, they, they really, just drop down into a squat, bounce out of the bottom of the hole. And I think they, they kind of forget a little bit about how to keep tension and, and go down slow at times mm -hmm. and then come out of the hole. 
So that's one thing that I have a lot of people that are injured do is just slow down the movements. It might mean you're not pushing as much weight temporarily, but you're going to get better control. Mm. And then number two for the masses, I think it's, it's get stronger. Yeah. In general, strength is the foundation of, of every athletic uh, physical fitness uh, capacity. And I think, you know, consistently endurance runners have been shown to improve when they move their strength up. Obviously, strength athletes get better when their strength goes up. And I think if more people would put a consistent focus on actually getting stronger and pushing weight and resistance, they would get better. And there's yeah. a big difference between doing strength workouts and getting stronger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that is true. But <laughs> won't girls get bulky from lifting? They will get bulky. Yeah, prob probably really bulky. Like, yeah. I actually... Bigger than me. <laughs> like, I was, I was writing about the other day. I was like, do, do, do girls really still think that? Like, is oh, they it, do. They do. I have a sister. I had two conversations last week about it. And yeah, and she's the, in the military. It doesn't, doesn't matter that... that we absolutely know that they don't have the ability to put on muscle mass. I always just want to, I always tell people this because I'm not going to get an argument. I'm like, Hey, you don't have enough testosterone to build serious muscle or, or that the women that you have seen that are bulky were either genetically that way or have mm -hmm. trained consistently with the goal of putting muscle mass on. Mm -hmm. I just say, you know what? You think you'll magically overnight gain too much muscle or could yeah. you, could you do some strength training, improve your strength overall by 10% be healthier and if you start to feel like all of a sudden you're getting too bulky, then stop. Yeah. yeah. You know what? If, if, they, if they actually listen to that, they'll never get to that too bulky stage. I'm telling yeah. my sister that, like, after we get off of here, yeah. I'm like, look, you know, one inch and one inch, your arms start getting too big. You just stop. Yeah, just I mean, stop. Yeah, just, just stop. <laughs> just just every, every month, take a picture. When you yeah. magically get too bulky, then stop. Like, you know what? My arms are way too big now. Like, three years later, like, just stop. Just stop. Yeah. You can always stop. <laughs> Meanwhile, you gain 100 pounds on your squat and everything else. So. Mm. And don't do sets of 8 to 15. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or threes and fives. So, uh, yeah. You have anything? Yeah, so I got one more. Bring it back I got to one business. More. Bring it back to business, baby. Hey, <laughs> if it's not business, it don't make sense. <laughs> who is that? I don't know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> if it don't make money, it don't make sense. I forgot who said that. So Gene. let's talk about like – could you talk a little bit about, because pretty soon we're going to go out into the world and... Um, we're going to go out into the world. <laughs> like little ducklings. Um, and talk about like how to build a following. That, that first six months where you had to bring them up, get them going. Kind of what that grind is like. How do you build a following and and just what to expect with it? And maybe I'm going to throw in part two one big mistake that you made that you're thinking, Oh man, if I, this is a big mistake I made that, you know, you could clean up. Shouldn't have wore those blue shorts. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I would, I would figure out what your target demographic is first. So make a lot of people will talk about making an avatar. Like you make an imaginary person in your mind of who you're reaching out to. And, and mine is basically me. If I wasn't in physical therapy school, mm -hmm. somebody that really likes to Olympic lifting, powerlifting, CrossFit style stuff. And if I didn't have the PT knowledge that I had right now in my strength and conditioning background, what would I want to know mm. and follow that target demographic and then look really closely at where the holes are. All right. So for instance, Kelly Starrett's done a lot of great work, but, but what does Kelly Starrett talk about all the time? He talks a ton about mobility. Yeah. So, so my goal is not to go and, and while I will use mobility cause it's a very big flashy word right now, like I'm not trying to teach people, 50 different ways to improve their hip external rotation. 
Instead, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to target that target demographic from a different angle. And we're going to be talking how to do goblet squats to improve your mobility and movement and just little things that are going to make you different and, and catch people that don't fall into other people's nets. Basically. Mm. Gotcha. And maybe you can start building your way into other people's nets, but yeah, find holes. There are lots of holes out there that haven't been filled. I don't know any, uh, the swimming article we discussed earlier that somebody read for me. I don't know a great swimming physical therapist right now. Yeah. You know, we got, we got Chris Johnson and, uh, Tom, uh, Tom, oh, God, what's Tom's last name? Tom over in, uh, uh, England, UK, the running physio. Oh yeah. yeah. So we got yeah. some good running people. We got some good people around barbells and CrossFit. Um, I don't see any good swimming people. Oh, there you um, go. You know, we got Ryan all doing baseball. Do we have anybody big talking basketball right now? There are plenty of holes that still need to be filled. And they're that's me. <laughs> that's five foot four. Hey, hey, edit this out so nobody gets that idea, man. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, 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 cut it out. Cut it out. Cut. Cut. All right, hey, go, go, go trademark the uh, the basketball physio. Yeah. Oh yeah. Make <laughs> uh, the t-shirts now. And so if, once you get your target demo, you kind of figure out where, where some holes are that you think you can fill, then getting really consistent in it, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as far as mistakes I would have made, um, and this is coming from me as somebody that, that right now is, is, is really working on this as more than just giving information out. I'm working on it as a business mm-hmm. and making it something that financially pays off for my family as well. Mm-hmm. So as much as I love giving away free content, I can't continue to do as much as I'm doing right now and not get financially compensated for it. You can't work 20, 30 hours a week on something and make no money. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I am working right now on, on really fixing the back end and business side of things. And I think if I could go back two years, I would, I would have it more business oriented and I would, I would have marketed my newsletter more from the start and I would have just built stuff up back-end wise a little bit better long-term even if I wasn't pushing the finances at that point like I am right now gotcha gotcha that that is crucial information that is that good that's great don't you give anything sure. out for free <laughs> we got a no, blast oh, no no, no, no I'm, I'm kidding I'm kidding oh, okay, okay. I'm kidding yeah, yeah. Give, give tons out for yeah, free right. I mean, and, I, and I would I would gladly give more out for free if I mm-hmm. could I just you know you, you reach points where you can't continue when you have a newsletter as big as mine it costs several hundred dollars every month to just email people out and say hey i put a new article out <laughs> and you know you you gotta you gotta make money if you're spending that much time and stuff and mm-hmm. there, there's some other hurdles that you gotta think of long term is being confident and asking money for your services when you're doing stuff like that absolutely gotcha gotcha jab jab right hook yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a little gary v lecture yeah. <laughs> reference <laughs> That's Gary V, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I was I was getting ready to do a Gary V impersonation, but I don't, I didn't feel too confident in it, so I just let it go. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, <laughs> I kind of want to make you do it. All right, let's, let's go. I got to channel his beat up and uh. <laughs> you got to. Uh, I can't do it. Oh no. What does he What does he say? Just say fuck a lot. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Snapchat. If you're not on Snapchat. Fuck you. <laughs> you got to talk about the grind too. Yeah. Grind and hustle. Grind and hustle. Grind and hustle. You don't want to win. If you're not on Snapchat, you don't want to win. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. I'm going to buy the New York Jets. Yeah. What did you say? I want the New York Jets. Yeah. Jets. 
Wine Library, Jets, Snapchat, Hustle, Grind. We got the Barbell Physio on. Welcome to the show. It's the Ask Gary V Show. We got Barbell Physio on. Keep working on Gary V. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. It was fine. It was, inter- it was entertaining for us. People listening might be like, what the heck's going on? Yeah. <laughs> see, your, see your hands waving around and see you really try to get into it. It's a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah that was, I forgot this is an audio platform. They won't see my hands. <laughs> well, oh, we can upload the video. We, 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 we can video we'll, this one. We'll edit, we'll cut this part and then. Well, our brand will be the improv comedy physio with bad impressions. That's my target audience. Man. Yeah. So uh, before we go, um, the new segment that we have on the show. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, It's called uh, What what is Your Favorite Duck? As you know, the show is called The Duck Legs Podcast. So what is your favorite duck? It could be made up character or you could actually be a real duck, which we have had a couple of brands of duck named on the show. We've actually... (laughs) um, so one of my hobbies is, is actually duck carving, oh. decoy carving. So no, no joke. Like y'all can't see it, but I think y'all can oh, see no. it. Y'all see this right there? Yeah. Yeah. Y'all yeah. See that little duck? Look at that. That's a duck decoy way in the background, guys. Oh my goodness. How can we get so lucky to keep asking people this question? That's a, that's a green winged teal. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I wasn't even sure if I was going to ask because I was like, everyone else we asked, it's like, I don't know. It's, I was like, I didn't feel comfortable asking this. But you're actually carbons. This, this <laughs> bit keeps asking. getting more amazing. I don't know why this bit works. Green. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Put it we've down. Had, uh, we've probably had. the only person that will do that on your podcast. Um, <laughs> this, I've got the, uh, I'm the youngest person with the <laughs> oldest person's uh, hobby there. <laughs> like, who does duck decoy carving now? We've got, yeah. oh my God. We got dark winged duck, and we got an actual duck named, and Look, if we got you some carving. If you don't like Doctor Zach for blood flow restriction, CrossFit, uh, powerlifting, all the great content, follow him for the duck carving. Follow him for that. <laughs> the duck carving alone should be interesting enough. I'll have to start putting that up on my uh, social media more. Yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> every every exercise video will have a little duck carving in the back. <laughs> I put. I actually put one picture up of that. So I had one week where I did, I did a BFR talk at Clemson University. I hosted a private clinic. I hosted my analyzing the squat webinar. And then I went to my mom's preschool class and showed them my duck decoys. Oh. <laughs> oh. Talk about a wide range yeah. of uh, presentations for that week. The best part of the week was, it, was showing the kids, right? Uh, no, it was Clemson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Being yeah. frank, mom's devastated. <laughs> ACC yeah, national right. champions in football. I, I'm a I'm a Tar oh. Heel, but I'll take an ACC champion over uh, over SEC any day of the week. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm an SEC person, but that's all right. We'll forgive you. So before we uh get, get bounced off with this uh this Zoom, do you have any personal plugs? I know that you just released a shoulder. Um, series. Do you have any personal plugs when giving Twitter handles? Yeah, uh, Twitter is at ZlongDPT. You can hit up Instagram and Facebook. That's the Barbell Physio, and uh, check out my latest product, which is Shoulder Performance for the Fitness Athlete, where I take uh, take you through the different tests and some of my favorite corrective exercises that I use with CrossFitters and Olympic lifters to kind of bulletproof their upper body. Oh, cool! Oh, yeah. hey. Nice. Shout out to Bulletproof Mobility. Yeah, old one. On that was that, my first yeah. product. Yeah, that's an old one. That was my <laughs> first product. Hey, I'll, I'll send y'all that. Yeah. Classic. 
And thank appreciate you so much, Dr. Zach, for thank being you, Dr. with Zach. us. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate y'all having me. Awesome. Right. This is great. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Keep you carving too. those ducks. Yeah. <laughs> We're chilling here on the podcast with the duck legs.